0: How many of you realize that the enemy has uh, opened up, he's cracked. We talk about open wide the gates for the king of glory to come in. Well, I think the enemy has opened a gate of hell to be released upon the earth right now. I got good news for you. He's a phony, he's a fake, and when he opens up what he thinks is going to be destructive, our God raises a standard, somebody say amen amen, against these things. And he's not going to allow the the wiles of the enemy to come and do what the enemy wants to do. But the good news is, is and somebody look at your neighbor, and it's because of God's warriors that this thing is going to be uh, stopped and it's going to be uh, reversed. Hallelujah. How many of you know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine? Amen. Would you agree with me? If you would agree, then act like you said amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So anyway... When you looked at everything that was going on, the the, the talk in Christian magazines and websites surrounding uh, uh, all of this stuff that was going on, uh, we began to see that they were talking about the surveys of people and what wasn't happening and why churches were still closed and the fact that they were predicting the percentages of churches that would never reopen. The buzz... uh, ...was that you better only uh, put on a 20 minute online service... ...because that was considered what all the people would watch or tolerate. How many of you know that we cannot dumb down the Word of God, amen? The Word of God is a standalone. It will stand on its own two feet, it will do what it's intended to do... ...and it is truth that sets people free. How many of you would say amen? So the idea of a 20-minute service, I like these guys, they're amen amenin' me, Gina. You bring them every week, hallelujah, come on. That's right, that's a, that's a quality amen right there. But th- th- this idea that uh, you, you know, we can only give the body so much, the people can only handle so much, we can only get back to church if we do this, we can only do this if we do that, come on, that's not God. That's not God. That's a grooming process. That's a grooming process. We saw that online services were not effective. How do I know that? Because after four weeks, it says 50% of all millennials had stopped watching their online service. It was was inconvenient to watch the online service because many pastors had the audacity to go way beyond the 20 minutes that they could tolerate. hmm And I knew that we couldn't allow ourselves to be sucked into this negative vortex. So we decided to persevere in the midst of the storm, knowing by faith that God would be able to lead us and that we would not just survive, but that we would overcome. We would not just survive. We would not just hold on. I tell people when you ride a a roller coaster like, what's that big one, It's the millennial force? I rode that thing one time and I thought, that's the dumbest thing you ever did in your life. When I was at that top of the peak and I could see to Toronto, Canada, I knew it was too high. I knew it was going to be a bad decision. Everybody in the back, lift your hands up. I'm like, are you kidding me? I held on so tight to that bar all my knuckles were white and sometimes when life gives you a ride you gotta hold on until your knuckles turn white and that's what we as a church chose to do we didn't choose to just survive we chose to overcome and in the midst of The things that God was trying to do, we were doing things, we were moving forward, we were making inroads, we were starting schools, we were uh, uh, getting online things started. We were moving forward because in God, he's not a God. That wants us to to move from behind. He's a God that in Ephesians chapter 6, he tells us to put on his armor. And the reason is, is because there's nothing in the back of that armor. Because he wants us to move forward. Move forward into battle to take ground. Mm, I knew what... ...was ahead of us and we had to choose to raise the sails and trust the winds of the spirit... ...to propel us to the next part of our kingdom destiny. We began to watch God open up the prophetic words that he spoke over us... ...and we began to see things that were transpiring that could never happen... ...when you talk about them in 2018, if you knew what 2020 was going to bring... ...you would say that God would have to put those on pause. No, that's not God. Somebody right now, tell your neighbor to get out of neutral. Right now, tell him to get out of neutral. Push the button that, that allows you to move forward. These are the days to move forward. When it seems impossible, that's when God shows up the most. That's when he does his best work. So you you would think to yourself, you know, how could a a church survive? The the doors weren't even open. How could could a church make it when the people weren't connected to the building? How many of y'all know Redeemers isn't a building, it's about a group of people, hallelujah. A group of kingdom people doing good things for the Lord. Well, we found out about that. Somebody prophesied that we would become an apostolic house, that uh, God would bring such an influx of funds that we would have to give money away. What a great problem. Well, that happened and we did it. We were giving money. We're still giving money away. For those of you who, uh, you know, we, we don't, you know, you're not in the office every Monday, but we just gave $250 more to Uganda because they're in a mess, so we matched harvest preps, 250 we sent them $500, it's very meaningful, and a couple months ago, God spoke the words to me, resolute for revival, and I wasn't sure what the word resolute me, meant, I, I had kind of a, a feeling, and, and I, uh, uh, God spoke to us about uh, July as the month to, to do this uh, series. And I'd like to start by doing what I did that day when God spoke that to me. I looked it up. What does resolute mean? The word resolute means, first, to become resolute. It means you become admirable, admirably purposeful. The word admirably means deserving the highest esteem. How many of y'all know that words matter, right? Amen. And so... Uh, The word resolute means becoming admirably purposeful... ...to become determined, to become unwavering in one's support. The word revive means this... ...to impart new strength and vigor into a person or thing. How many of y'all know that when you go through life sometimes... Man, you need need a fresh wind behind you. Would you agree with me? That you need a, a, a new hope for your destiny. That you need a new faith to arise in you to carry you beyond the place that you are at. That you need a new trust in the one that can take you to the place that God wants you to go. So to be revived means to impart new strength and vigor into a person or thing. To bring back life. I love that sometimes you see in those movies where they rub those paddles together and they say clear and they boom and they hit a, a person whose heart stopped and the heart st- starts beating again. How many of y'all know that, that in the church's position, the one that Caleb talked about last week, we boo, we need a boom, we need a, a, a holy infusion from the Lord. The third thing it is is to restore back to use, listen to this, After a period of being forgotten. To restore back to use after a period of being forgotten. How many of you would agree with me to say that God is not done with the church? Amen. How many of you would agree with me that there is a remnant of hungry people waiting for God's orders? Amen. And we need to be those those people, that remnant. But you know what? The remnant is is always fashioned from the inside out. What do I mean by that? It means that the remnant is always fashioned by this heart and this heart and this heart and this heart. Coming to a place that says, Father, revive me for the purposes that you have in store for me. Revive me for the things that you want to do in my life. So when we marry those two definitions together, we link these definitions with our walk or relationship with God. Personal revival can be defined as a person or individual becoming fully awake and alive spiritually. Amen? How many of you are ready to become fully awake or alive spiritually? It's being revitalized or reinvigorated uh, spiritually. It is significant growth and improvement in your relationship with God. That's what revival is all about. You can't be revived by any other way. It is becoming a vibrant believer who is fully charged, fully awake, and fully, listen to this, alert. How many of you know that when the enemy is moving, we need to be alert? And how many of you realize that no matter what he does, we have what combats him? The Word of God. The Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have all the tools that we need to do what needs to be done. So many people have so many different things to say about revival. The interesting thing is, is this, it doesn't matter what period that they were said in, there will always be a need for a personal revival in in believers' lives. Billy Sunday had this to say, when is revival needed? When carelessness and unconcern keep the people asleep. Mm. When may a revival be expected? When the wickedness of the wicked grieves and distresses the Christian. There's got to be something that happens in you that says, enough. 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 Charles Finney said this, There can be no revival when Mr. Amen and Mr. Wet Eyes are not found in the audience. Mm, You know what? Amen just means I'm connected. Amen, I'm connected. I, wa- I-, I want to amen last week. I don't know how many amens I said. A- at least a dozen. why? Because I wanted to be connected with that. I want to be connected with what God. How many times do you just amen in your personal time with God? Well he, he needs a- he needs an amen also. I mean he wants to know revival comes from heaven, when hectic souls enter the conflict determined to win or die, if need be. To win or die. It's not win or lose. You're going to win at all costs. And if you don't win, that's okay if I... If I do, do you guys realize that a, a, a Christian never dies? We go from life to life. Amen? We never die. Never die. Isn't that awesome? A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Charles Finney. Listen to what E.M. Bounds had to say. You're going to love this. To look back upon the progress of the divine kingdom upon earth is to review revival periods which have come like refreshing showers upon a dry and thirsty ground. Now listen to this. Making the desert to blossom as the rose. How many of you have seen the videos where a a, a desert that has not had rain for five years and one brief shower sweeps across the desert and the most unbelievable flowers uh, just pop up everywhere. The most unbelievable foliage just comes up. And you would think that there was nothing in that time of desert. Let me tell you something. In your time of desert, God is planting seeds in you that He can't wait to be watered. If you think you're in a desert period and this is a woe is me time, this is the time to pray. Let it rain. Let it rain. Because inside of you are all of those things that God is planting in your time of desert. Oh, you think it's bad. You think everything you're going through is just the worst thing that's ever happened. No, there are times where God is planting seeds in your desert. It's all a matter of your perspective. It's all a matter of the way you view things. But ultimately, it matters on what your relationship with God is. Where is your relationship with God? Is it time to turn to that next stage of obedience in your life? I just love that picture. Making the desert to blossom as a rose. Bringing new eras of spiritual life. We're about on the edge of a new era of spiritual life. And this desert that we went through, trust me, God's got a purpose for it. And he is planting seeds that for those who are going to be excited about the desert are going to see a a, a flowering that they've never anticipated. Google that on YouTube. Watch that for yourself. And then think for your own self. What God does in the physical, He does in the spiritual. He can mirror those two things. You need an epiphany on your desert. This isn't a punishment, this is a place of planting. Right. And I believe that over these last couple of years, God has planted some amazing seeds, not only in your life, but for us as a whole. bringing new ears of spiritual life and activity just when the church has fallen under the influence of the apathy of the times. Mm, Folks, the times do not dictate the king. Amen? Amen. The king is the one that brings forth the times. When you say, next time you say, where's God? Know that he's planting seeds in that situation. Where's God? Planting seeds, preparing for your time. Of, you're crying out, let it rain, God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know the scripture, that one scripture that says he'll never leave or forsake you? He's not joking. He's not kidding around. Those aren't just cute one-liners. He's like, well, You know what? The pastors are going to be able to preach. And, you know, Jesus and God and the Father are sitting up there and the Word's being written, and Jesus looks at the Father and says, that'll preach. That'll preach. That's not, that, that's, that's not what this is about. It's that'll transform. That Word will transform. Now listen to this. It says, when I pray for revival, I pray first for the most radical thing. The utter devotion and allegiance of your hearts to Christ, that you would love Him so deeply and long for Him so passionately that His coming would be your great hope. And death would be gain, and life would be for Christ and His kingdom. Wow. That is powerful how that looks. What, what happens? When we we hear words like that, when we know we have a king like that, what happens to keep us from that place where we would willingly say, come Lord Jesus, revive me. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Let's take a a peek at this uh, for just a moment. What keeps us in that place that would say we, we don't want to do that? How many of you... You have heard that statement there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. Amen. That history always repeats itself. Amen? Amen. My my wife has an outfit on today that I just never thought I would ever see happen again. What do you call that? The culottes or what You don't know what it calls. But it's one of those things that looks like a dress but they're big big legs and and and, and I she came out in that thing today and I said, "Dang, you're cute." That is something. You know, in the fashion world, history repeats itself, amen? He saw the outfit. So before my wife leaves today, I swear those are called culottes, aren't they, or something like that? Jumpsuit, it's a jumpsuit, a jumpsuit. I'm very old, hallelujah. But you know what? I might be old, but these old bones are on fire for God. These old bones are on fire for God. Hallelujah. Ooh. What keeps people from getting into that place to... We all know the things I'm trying to preach to you today. You all know the things I'm trying to excite you about. In Luke 14, 15, it says, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now listen to what Jesus has to say. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. Okay? Great feast, this is what they used to do, and when they planned a great feast, they would send out the invitations. The invitation wouldn't necessarily have a date on it, because the guy who was planning the great feast was not sure how long it was going to actually take to prepare the things that uh, were needed for this great feast. So in 17 it says, when the banquet was ready. The invitation's already been out. How many of y'all have had an invitation from Jesus, hallelujah, to come for him to be your savior, amen? Anybody? Wow, tough crowd today, hallelujah. Come on, the barbecue ribs are waiting, they're not here yet. Okay, they're waiting. They're ahead for you in the 4th of July celebration. Invitations are out. The invitation is out. The word of God is crystal clear, crystal clear. The invitation to to do and to be and to have and, and to sow and to work and to die is here. It's an exciting thing. But listen to this, verse 17, but when the banquet was ready, he sent out his servant to tell the guests, come in, the banquet is ready. Verse 18, but they all began to make excuses. Mm-mm-mm. I know none of us have never made an excuse. I know that. Well, maybe if I read a couple of the excuses, you, maybe they'll sink home a little. But when they all but they all began making excuses, let me reiterate, they all got the invitation and were happy to receive it. It took time, it took time to prepare it. How many all know that sometimes it takes God time to get you into the place that he needs you to be? You know that prophetic word that you gave up on seven years ago it's a seed in your desert would you bring it back out and hold fast to that again please the invitation went out it's taking him seven years to prepare it for you Mm. my seed came in 1988 You're going to be overseas and back again. It wasn't until 1997 that God worked out a spirit of fear in me that held me back. But one day, I got that that epiphany that come heaven or high water, no, come hell or high water, no matter what. I was putting myself in an airplane to carry out the destiny that God gave me nine years to get to that place. God never gave up on me. I certainly never gave up on him. And I had to put myself in an uncomfortable position, even to the place that I said, if I lose my mind. Put me in a straight jacket in Austria. Put me in a funny farm because I'll never get back. If you have a fear of flying, once you're in that tube going 600 miles an hour, there's no turning back. I know this. I developed this fear on a flight to Florida. And we drove back. There ain't no driving back from Europe. Trust me, I looked. (laughs) I looked for boat routes. I did everything. Because I wanted to do the right thing, but sometimes the only way to get to the place you need to be is to face the thing that challenges you the most. Mm. But listen, when you get to that place of discipline in your life, the whole world becomes your canvas. The whole world becomes your canvas. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I got to inspect it. Hmm, interesting. He just made a big purchase. He spent a lot of money. He now has a field. He's got some prominence. And he's going to go inspect that field so people can see him in his field, right? Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Love to be at your banquet. Love to do what you're asking me to do, but i got so much going on. So much going on. And another one said, I now have a wife, so I just can't come. Typical dude blaming his wife. (laughs) Love to be there, but my wife, I mean, you know. How many times have you, you know, guy does this because he's just got no backbone? (laughs) My wife, you know. (laughs) Wow. Really? You're going all Adam on me? Come on. (laughs) Somebody else did that too. Wasn't me, it was her. The servant returned and told his master what they said. And his master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported there is still more room. And his master said, then go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. None of those I first mentioned will even get the smallest taste of my banquet." Much is given, much is required. Much is given, much is required. A high price was paid for you to be a part of the banquet of the Lord. Jesus told this great parable of the banquet. And what was he inviting people to his presence? He wanted people to be in his presence, but they all had a reason why they were too busy. Folks, this is the hour to put away your busyness and get into that place where the invitation was given to be in his presence. This isn't the time to talk about the things you need to attend to, the business, the spouse, or or to continue making the, the excuses pull in. The real issue was not so much the things or the people that they had to attend to. The real issue was that there was no personal relationship with the one who was throwing the banquet. And when there's no personal relationship to the one who's throwing the banquet, it's easy to make excuses. Because I know none of you all have been invited to that graduation party that you really didn't know the person and wondered why you got the invitation and you easily came up with a dozen excuses by why you couldn't go to that party. And the reason was is because you're not connected. You're not connected now, uh, uh, but you might have had some real things to do. I mean, Drew, we missed your graduation party because we were in Atlanta, bro, so don't take this personal. Dude, I was the guy cheering all five of those games. Don't lose sight of that. But the real issue was is that they weren't connected personally. And when we make excuses on why we can't be in the Lord's presence, we've got to ask ourselves, are we connected personally? Are we connected personally? When you're connected and the invitation comes, you become like the deer in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water, so I long to be with you thirsty and hungry for more of God in your life this is the hour to become thirsty the kind of thirst that only living water can satisfy come and drink from this well and you will thirst no more you will thirst no more I am the bread of life. Come and eat of this bread because when you eat of this bread you will hunger no more. Spiritual water, spiritual bread, there's something that you gain in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that cannot be gotten in any other way. The enemy loves. ...when the church becomes too busy. The enemy loves when the church becomes too busy. See, when I call Tammy and I'll say to her... ...hey babe, what's for dinner? And she'll reel off one of her incredible dishes... ...that she's made and I'm vacillating between... ...doing more work in the office or getting home and eating that dinner. Dinner wins. Why? Because of my personal relationship with the one who made the dinner. When she said, I have X, Y, or Z ready for you, I'm talking to her and packing up at the same time. Amen. When God comes to you, you ought to be doing what you're doing and preparing in what, whatever you're doing to get to that place to where you get to be with him. The enemy loves when we personally and the church as a whole lives in the place of complacency, and indifference to the Lord's calling. And I'm telling you, there are unintended consequences in people's lives that come when we live that way. Unintended consequences that we're we're not uh, uh, necessarily aware of. When the church moves away from the place that God intended it to be, When we choose not to become resolute in our transformation or revival process, it always carries some kind of unintended consequence. Always. Now, what am I talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. When we have to choose between a societal norm and a biblical principle, that's where the Christian rubber meets the road. What do I mean by that? We've got a church that can't decide if abortion is wrong. We've got a whole church in America that cannot decide if abortion is wrong. They, they are stuck in this place where it's more important to embrace the societal norm. That says it's a woman's right to choose as opposed to taking a hardcore stance that's not going to be popular and saying every life is precious. See, when we get out of that place where restoration and renewal and revival come, doesn't come in our lives. When we, when we think of the excuses on why we can't attend the banquet, then racism runs rampant. There is no way you cannot like a person from another race if you're intimately connected with God. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's just not possible. It it can't happen. Because when you look at any person, you see the valuable person that God has made. When you look at pornography... And you're not connected to God. You're missing the point that that is somebody's daughter that you're gawking at. And you're not only disrespecting God, but you're disrespecting her father. See what happens. There's unintended consequences from not holding fast to the things of the word. You never think of these things until you're in the midst of how they affect you. When you move ever so slightly away from a biblical position, an issue opens the door that the enemy comes in to steal and to kill and to destroy. When the church can't decide if same-sex marriage is wrong, we have opened the door to hell to come loose and, and wreak havoc upon relationships it's not a matter of chasing a societal norm it's a matter of standing upon a truth and when we remove ourselves from the truth we're not only not seeing people set free we're agreeing to the bondage that they're in and it's okay It's a woman's right to choose. If those two guys love each other, why do you care? I care because it's wrong. Not because I said it's wrong. It's because the Bible says it's wrong. God called us to procreate. You cannot procreate in those relationships. It's not possible. Am I mean? Call me whatever you want. But by placating people, we dig a deeper well for them. We are the church. Amen. And if you're not revived, how do we expect society to be revived? Yeah. These are real tough issues. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And, and uh, I'm skipping over a but No, go with me to Isaiah 40 first. Isaiah 40. I've already used the joke too many times, how many of y'all will give me five more minutes? And then I say 5, 10, 15, 20, okay? I'm just telling you, I need 10 more minutes. And if, if you got to go, I'm not going to be upset with you. I don't want you to go. But if you got to go, I'm not going to be upset with you. How do we get to the place to where we remove ourselves from the excuses that they make in in Luke chapter 14 and get to the place to where it's not about what's good for us or what's comfortable for us, but that we choose to carry out the mission. Listen to what uh, the the writer says in, in Isaiah 40, verse 27. Oh, Jacob, listen to this. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How many of you know God sees everything, amen? Even your troubles, would you agree with me? And I, I know that a lot of you say, God, you see my troubles, why aren't you doing anything? He is, he's planting seeds in the desert. And when they bloom, mm mm, 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 Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Come on now, that's good stuff. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Hallelujah, somebody say new strength. strength. Say, Father, fill me with new strength. Right now, Father, fill me with new strength. What happens when God fills you because you accepted not only the invitation, but then you chose to show up at the banquet? This is what happens. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen. We got to get ourselves in a place where we renew our trust in the things of God. Two weeks ago, Tammy and I got up. It was about 6 in the morning and we were doing our coffee thing. It was going to be 90 degrees on that Saturday. We looked at this garden that we just planted. How many of y'all plant a garden and you found out how much work it is? Amen. Hello. How many of y'all know that weeds... It can be dry for 50 weeks and weeds will grow. Those demonic little devils. (laughs) So we looked out at the garden and at 7 o'clock in the morning, these two farmers were out in the garden picking up, it took us an hour and 15 minutes. Hour and 15 minutes. But as we were weeding the garden, because see, you got to weed the garden so that the other plants can grow properly. How many of y'all didn't know that? Well, I didn't. If I'd have known that, I'd never had the neighbor come over and till up half an acre. <laughs> Seems like half an acre—it's 20 by 20 or something like that, something like that. But as we were weeding the garden, we looked over at one of our broccoli plants, and this broccoli plant had a head of broccoli. It was like it was—I—I—I I, I, I must have put steroids in there. But you know what? We had to weed the garden to get the fruit. We had to pay the price to see the fruit come to bear. And we took that head in, we washed it, and we soaked it, and them green worms came to the top, just like they tell you is going to happen, Them little squirrely broccoli worms or whatever. And we got them out of there, and so we uh, chopped that thing up and made a broccoli dip. I have never eaten a piece of broccoli that was as amazing as the one we took out of our garden. Something happens. Folks, when we trust the Lord. Something happens when we allow Him to weed our gardens. Something happens when we allow God to lead us through the routines of life. How I many all know that every day has 24 hours and God's in the middle of all of them? And when we allow Him to weed our gardens, we have a patient hope that He will consume us in the midst of wherever we are. How many of you know that God rules time, that he will deal with evil? He will deal with this evil. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He says that so we can take our minds off all all the evil stuff right now and stay focused moving ahead when everyone else is getting tied up in all the nonsense. God's people are moving ahead because they're allowing vengeance to be his and not ours not ours, our patient trust has to remain to the one who has the power and foresight to create the universe. We're not just trusting in anything. He calls us to not shrink back in the times of adversity, but to wait patiently for God's plan to play out, trusting him in the outcome for our life's challenges. Every day we have to know that he wants to do these things for us. Such an inner attitude gives one strength to soar high above the moment and the encouragement to go on. The encouragement to go on. God is amazing. You might have to go out and weed at 7 a.m., but at noon, there's fruit that's going to be born. Would you stand with me? I'm going to have to go over the next two points. I'm going to have to find another time to preach. I'm sure it'll happen soon. But this is what, this is what I just want to say to you today in closing out this particular message. Being resolute for revival means that I put myself into a place and I agree and have an admirable courage to stand in a place to where I'm going to say, God, renew me in the midst of everything that's going on around me. That I'm going to say, God, I'm going to understand that in this desert, God is planting seeds and when it rains, stuff is going to happen that you could never in a million years is going to happen to you we've got to change the way we think when we get the invitation into his presence we got to quit making excuses on why we can't get in there there's no house that you bought no job that you have no relationship that is before you that should hinder you from being in relationship with the one who gave his life for you can I get an amen hallelujah God is purposing something for us at Redeemers. And that means that he's purposing something for you because this is your place of choice. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what God has in store for us. And I'm excited to pay the price to get there. How many of you today would honestly say, Father, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for this setting forth of our hearts to begin to see the the goodness and the glory that you have for us in this season. This is a season of time. Father, help us to not look to the left or to the right, but help us to stay focused in the place that you have set forward for us and to have the fortitude to stay when everything else around us challenges us to move off of where you have us. But yet we say yes to that place, yes to the destiny that you have for us, and yes to our placement individually with you. Father, today I pray that every person watching this on the internet or here at the, the, the Redeemer's church would say, I want to be resolute for revival because it matters in the kingdom. That's right. And so, Father, today strengthen this people. Yeah. Encourage this people. Let them have eyes to see and ears to hear things they've never seen or heard before water their seeds in the desert and let them begin to say, aha, this is why I was in that place. Because you're doing something that no, no one else could ever do. So Father, encourage us today. In this day of independence and freedom that we uh, celebrate as a nation, let us celebrate our place of de dependence on you and the freedom that we have to do it and father i just thank you for this time and i give you praise in jesus name and all of god's people said let's give the lord a praise offering he is worthy to be praised hallelujah go in peace and may you be resolute for revival amen